0: Entire production supervised by Big One. Uh... Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal, Now Sex Feel. My name is Chris. My is, as always, is Alan Moo. And we watched... Well, i watched many things. Parker and Alex haven't watched in a while. Sorry, we haven't been here in a while. Uh, there's been various circumstances that have prevented us from recording when we're back for the holiday season. This should be uploaded by Christmas of 2022. So, I'm uh, very ready for that. Hey, <laughs> Hey, Parker. Do we have any news?
2: Yeah, fucking beats me, buddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff's been happening. In the Not getting a lot of, of
2: movie news here at the Homewood <laughs> Suites, buddy.
0: <laughs> well, there's no place like home for the holidays. Yeah, so any, like or Homewood bad. for the holidays. So uh, anyway, you shouldn't
1: spend so much time at the Homewood Suites; it'll rot your teeth.
0: <laughs> Jesus. This Ugh. is
2: going to be agonizing. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> You're awake now. Here we go. Uh, do, do we have any jerks of the week? <laughs>
1: oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Oh. Do I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chris, you know, not a lot of people are talking about this, but the Indianapolis Colts open as one-point favorites this week.
0: I I heard it was 1.5, so no one respects the Patriots. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, The entire
1: uh, country of Las Vegas...
0: Yeah. Uh, Parker, I guess you can go ahead with yours. I guess well, it's really obvious. I have
2: several. But you know <laughs> what? I could blame the complex I live in, the god himself for causing my pipe to explode. But I will look inward and uh, I'll make myself my jerk of the week. Because uh, we had to hire a bunch of people to toss all of the furniture off the uh. third floor. And I made it very clear, hey, it's all the couches, my bed, box springs. It's all going to go down. And the guy takes the job, and he shows up, and it's just like, this middle-aged, Middle Eastern dude. I'm like, is it is it just you? He's like, oh no, my partner's coming. His partner pulls up. It's his wife. And the two of them absolutely fucking manhandle everything in like 30 minutes. And I really had to look inward on myself and think, you know what? <laughs> I'm the bigot. I judge them. <laughs> and this middle-aged woman just grabbed a fucking 10-foot couch and hoisted it up and walked out of my apartment. So, uh, I'm the jerk. I'm a... uh, Parker, maybe
0: you're not hustling hard enough.
2: Uh, correct.
0: Also that. So Also, on the universe, uh, my hero of the week is the guy I played Halo with named Drip Skylark. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> 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 brought a lot of joy into my life. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, well, mine's a little bit more serious. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago, one of my friends, I think I mentioned this, one of my friends who was one of my movie buddies uh, and one of my coworkers was murdered. And uh, there was an article about him that came out today. Apparently there's a $50,000 reward for the murder of Jason Ativi cortez in uh, Los Angeles. And I was reading through the article, and uh, the last line in there is that at his uh, funeral service, he was noted by his friends and family in the eulogies for his uh his skill as a photographer for his uh bright career and his uh burgeoning future and his skill as a gamer and i just like to say guys when i die please if any article writes even a single word about me please do not let them mention my skill as a gamer because uh, uh, gamer. Published. got it yeah
2: <laughs> Here lies an avid gamer
0: <laughs> please please don't let them say that about me <laughs> do whatever it takes do not let them say that about me <sighs> no yeah, yeah he also
1: uh, let me keep all of these extra video games of his in my house you want to come look at them yeah <laughs> yeah but he said if anything ever happened to him i could keep them so you know you don't have to yeah. worry about that
0: an avid gamer or, or did it say avid gamer or skilled gamer? I don't know, something like that. But it was either way. I felt like calling up the person who avid is so worse. Like, <laughs> avid yeah, is, avid flies, is no yeah, avid is yeah. Right, exactly. Avid it means he used items. So <laughs> you know, if someone plays so much, you think he'd be a little bit better. But you know, yeah. Uh, actually, you know, the little, uh, truth be told, here he actually played Smash without items. I played with him all the time. He complained whenever I turned items on. So, um. Miss him every day. So well, Next joke I make talk... will be insensitive, so we won't <laughs> Thank this. you, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Dangerous can of worms to open, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Anyway, so let's talk about what we watched recently. This is mostly going to be dominated by me because I have more free time than the others. Uh, due to circumstances. The first one was an assignment, and this is one that Alex assigned me, and I feel like you were maybe going to assign it to Parker, but he chose evens instead of odds, or vice versa. <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes it'd be like that. <laughs> yeah. This is Captain America, <laughs> the 1990 <laughs> version. <laughs> now, the the interesting thing here is had actually heard of this. I think, Parker, you've probably heard of it, too. You've seen like bits and pieces of this. So we we were both actually fairly familiar with this one, but neither one of us had seen in full. So yeah, it's it's fair to assign this one to us. But I have a feeling I know the reason that Alex assigned this to uh, me and would have assigned it to Parker as well. Uh, well, first of all, I, I want to say that the lead actor of this movie is Ronnie Cox, and if you have Ronnie Cox, make sure to see a licensed medical professional. Gotta. But the, the, I have to mid season form on this it. episode, baby. It's like we didn't. You miss a week. got it. So, <laughs> so okay, the real reason detox, here. got it. <laughs> yeah. So, the real reason I feel that uh, Alex is eyeing this to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to the Iron Duty tribute here. It says According to Steve James of the American Ninja series of films, what? while at AdventureCon 1993, he had two meetings with producers at Canon Films in 1984, where he was given a script and concept art for a Captain America film. He said the producers asked him to play Marvel's Stan- wait, Sam Wilson slash Falcon next to Michael Dudekon. Captain America. James was set to play the character all the way up until the Stephen Tolkien script was included. So
1: look at what they took from us. Right. Exactly.
0: Which way? Western man. Uh, (laughs) It is so unfair because that version the Canon Films version would have been a lot better than this. So here's an interesting thing about uh, the 1990 Captain America. The script is actually kind of good. Like, I'm watching it, and, like, I can kind of feel it's, it's not just, like, the dialogue, like, the dialogue, sure, whatever, but you can see, like, the way that it's filmed, you can almost, like, you've looked at a screenplay before, right, you can see, like, the words on the page and how they're typed, certain words are in capital letters, you can see the way it's saying, yeah, like,
1: woman. you really like your cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the good one. one, yeah,
0: <laughs> but, like, like, wa- like, I'm watching it, and I'm seeing some it's of the shots, of am just, us. like, and I'm like, wow, this is a great script. This is a good way to like show how the movie ought to progress. This is actually kind of great. And it's a Captain America's origin story, in which I only know because I watched the uh, the first Avenger, that movie. Uh, so there's a lot of similarities between this and that. The biggest problem, I think, is actually Ronnie Cox. I I don't know. I have, have I ever seen him in another? I feel like I've seen him in one other movie, which is why I make that licensed medical professional joke. But in this movie, there's something about all of him that means he can't ever play Captain America like I feel like he has sad eyes I don't I've never used that phrase before besides describing a basset hound but like he doesn't look like he should be the hero of this country you know the which Cap is weird because and I hate him. Yeah, <laughs> I fucking like. You look at his eyes, and you're just like, "That guy's gonna be leading this movie or any movie." What What are you doing here? That's a terrible idea. Also, Ned Beatty's in this. He should have been Captain America over Ronnie Cox. Uh, like the movie feels like it could have been a Mario Puzo movie, and then Ronnie Cox is in here with his and his voice is all wrong too. It's just. He, there are multiple times where Captain America, who's a superhero and has superpowers, by the way. he's got He's, like, really strong and I think impervious to bullets. Uh, there are multiple times in this movie where he'll be riding passenger in a car. And he'll say, can you pull over? I think I'm getting sick. They'll pull over and he'll jump out and jump in the driver's seat and drive the car away. That's the only like, thing
2: I know about is that he carjacks yeah. like three people in that movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. He does this multiple times. I... I can't believe this. Uh, it's really, really bad. And yet, like, you can watch this movie and you'll be like, oh, they if they made this with like a real film company, this might have been pretty good because it also looks kind of bad. Like, it's shot on really lousy film stock or maybe it just wasn't preserved because for some reason, no one wanted anyone to see this. Uh, But yeah, there is something, there's definitely like a core here that they could have improved on. And in fact, they did improve upon it because I actually kind of like Captain America The First Avenger. It's not like a great movie, but it's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, so much for Captain America. Thank you so much, Alex.
1: don't blame me. Blame the dice, man.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, the dice. Uh, The next one I watched was, well, I think I got the Sasquatch Space. Thank you, Parker. (sighs) Absolutely. And... I think I want... Like, we, we've talked about X is the best Sasquatch movie and X is a bad movie. Uh, I think the only exception to this has been uh, Wild Boy... What's it called? Wild Men? Uh, the, the yeah, Wild Men. Um, Wild, Wild Men, yeah. Man, yeah. Wild Boys is the TV show. Wild Men, I actually really like. I actually had a really good time with that one. It's a really good mockumentary. And if you have Tubi, not going to play an advertisement here, then you should actually check it out because it's really good. I found... A very, very close runner-up. This is called The Sasquatch Gang. Have either of you heard of this?
2: No, but that is that is a I'm, name right there. I I'm cannot, listening. I'm
0: this is It is such a tragedy that you guys have never heard of it, and no one else ever heard of it either. So first of all, uh, The Sasquatch Gang was, I think, directed by the first assistant director on Napoleon Dynamite. And as such, it kind of feels like Napoleon Dynamite, but with like slightly younger characters. Uh, and I think they all live in Canada. I could be incorrect on this, but I don't think I am. Anyway, Parker, remember how we both watched Monster Squad and are just like, man, if we grew up in the 80s, we might like this, but we didn't, so it sucks. This movie is like Monster Squad, but with Bigfoot. And right off the bat, that really should be enough to get you in. Uh, that combined with the Napoleon Dynamite sort of humor be- means that this movie is actually really good. Uh, it's got who's the who's the Mac guy from the Mac and PC commercials? I already forgot his name. Justin Long. Uh, Justin, Justin Long. Thanks. No, Justin Long. Uh, when he was born, he was long. So he uh, <laughs> well, <didn't laughs> we just just watched Kyler Murray play. Doesn't he, he can't <laughs> just as long as in this as like he's i'm pretty sure he's got a bullet he's like a trailer trash guy i think he might have a sword uh what? he's in this he's actually like every once in a while you want to see like an actor that you know or you're just like oh finally someone i can talk to this whole movie is full of people that you will never see again i think in any role and yet you watch it you're just like i kind of want to watch more movies with just these people playing these characters uh i how do I describe the plot? Okay, so like there's this uh, this little boy, I, I think again living in Canada, and he is extremely cool. He loves video games and lousy movies and looking for Bigfoot. He might be the fourth mic on the show. Fifth mic if listening. you include Bigfoot because he's also looking for Bigfoot. Weird. And he
1: um, has already lost his audio
0: file. Hey, <laughs> whoa, whoa, let's not <laughs> say things we can't take back. <laughs> I'm so he's uh, the built-in mic, right? This movie is not a horror movie, so don't even try. Don't uh, say it. There's don't a, say it. <laughs> It's also not a thriller; it's a comedy. But uh, there's also a girl who really likes him. She's into him, and so you kind of Throws. follow like her so sort of a fantasy. Thing. Got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's this. There's this, also this really fat guy who. Uh, <laughs> the, the movie. He's an unreliable narrator for his section of the movie, so the movie's kind of. It's not like Pulp Fiction, but things are told out of order. It's kind of like they're sort of layered on each other. Like,
2: I don't know why that was so funny. Me.
0: <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I was just trying to talk about like the, the the narrative, not necessarily. It's like, well, it's not exactly Pulp Fiction. That's the Sasquatch gang, which no one has ever heard of, but the everyone one, again should watch. The only one who fucks Sasquatch is Mrs. Squatch, right? <laughs> anyway, so. I, maybe a better way to put it would be, like, um, Memento. I guess it's a l- Not even then, but, like... Actually, no. Actually, no the way. Only two, yep. No, Memento... Me, I'm trying to think of, like, a good comparison for the narrative. And actually, Memento's really good. Because it's... used to make me
2: think about Sasquatch covered in tattoos. Trying to solve <laughs> his wife's murder. How
0: dare Just you? Just shaving off all that hair. And being like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
2: Sasquatch Joey
1: Pants is doing a lot for me. Ooh. All there. right.
0: Oh my god, I forgot Sorry, about that. I didn't mean thing. to interrupt you, but you put um, that curse yeah. thought in my brain. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, anyway, yeah, so the thing is, it's told, not necessarily out of order, but like, sort of layered upon itself. Like, you learn a little bit more about each scene, and you get a little bit more context with these things. I highly recommend this one. I really think you guys gotta check out the Sasquatch Gang. I think, uh, if you don't love it, I'd be uh, shocked and appalled. I, I'm probably gonna watch it again some point so oh god the next two okay so i actually liked one of these and the other one i hated uh oh the next three are semi secondly. okay so one of the ones i really wanted to get alex on for this was like we can't record without him is he assigned me the three hour documentary about the eagles uh it's actually a pretty good documentary as far as documentaries go uh i was very entertained by this uh i hope i didn't give away my thoughts already but uh Parker, I guess you're familiar with the Eagles. They had five members, right? They had uh, Glenn Frey, who was uh, one of the guitarists and one of the lead songwriters for them. He's an asshole. Uh, They had uh, Don Henley, who was the drummer and the lead vocalist, one of the lead songwriters. He's an asshole. They had uh, Don Felder, who was one of the lead guitarists. He's really talented. I actually really like him. They had Joe Walsh, who was one of their other lead guitarists and was probably the biggest, like, superstar among them. He had a decent solo career before and after them. And he's really, I like him. Yeah, hey, no. Also, their fifth member was the bassist. Now, if you put a gun to my head and said, name the bassist for the Eagles, i just reach up and pull the trigger for you. Because even the bassist of the Eagles doesn't know he's the bassist for the Eagles. He's Dude, like...
1: unironically, if you asked me
0: who the bassist in the Eagles Eagles was, I would say Glenn Fry. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about it is that there were two bassists. You'd have, like, two in a million odds of getting it right, and you would still get it wrong. Because no one cares about the bassist for the Eagles. Uh, anyway, so it's one of those really interesting documentaries where... Every single time you watch a documentary about a band like this, it doesn't matter if it's like the Eagles, which w- who were really popular, or the Beatles, or the Velvet Underground. It makes them seem like they were the most important band in the world. And I don't think that the Eagles were that important, but they did have a string of number one hits. I think, uh, Alex, you may have said that you like all three of their songs, and I'm basically the same way. Uh, maybe that's uh, two too many or something, I don't know. But I did kind of like that they showed. Hey, this is the appeal of the Eagles. This is how they started getting big. One of the things that they showed in the documentary that I really liked was uh, Linda Ronstadt, who I've only ever heard one song by, and that was a, it was that song from uh, what's that fucking movie, uh, An American Tale. And That's the only thing I knew her from. <laughs> yeah, you know turns out she was about? actually turns out she was really popular and astonishingly gorgeous. I was just like, what the fuck? I've never seen someone that pretty before.
2: Speaking of so, one in a million shot. If you asked me to guess what movie you were thinking of, I would have (laughs) gotten American Tang.
0: I kind of like that movie. It's not great. I
2: I know you do. That's she sang the
0: yeah. She sang uh, uh, somewhere out there. I like that song. Anyway, uh, well, uh, she was one of the ones who helped the Eagles get really big. Uh, Her and. Whoever that guy was just saying Running on Empty, I don't even remember that guy's name. Anyway, it's structured in such a way that it's, it's, you know, it interviews all the band members individually. It said, here's where they were, and here's what it was like to join them. Here's some of the crazy stuff that happens on tour. They did a lot of drugs, turns out, and it's just like, yeah, man, most bands do that. Um, it's important also to talk about the animosity between them. Like, it's not quite as bad as those two guys from. Uh, God, what was the name of their band? Oh, the ones that... <laughs> <laughs> that's all you have to say. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure
1: everyone listening completed the sentence for you. Trust me. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. Thank you. I
0: almost said blur. <laughs>
1: oh man, don't let them yeah. hear you say that.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> that was the, is the a only whole thing... other beef, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I was like, that was the only thing that could make that blood feud dissipate for a moment. Alright, what you call us, wanker. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's not what they talk like at the Eagles. Uh, Glenn Fry, uh, who you guys might remember uh, as the, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals from Jerry Maguire, uh, is... Oh God, uh, that's
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot I, about that. I
0: went back and I re it just to see him in there. I was just like, oh, man, do I like this movie less now as a result? The answer is no. But, like, still, he is, like, noticeably the worst part of that movie. And he really does seem like a jerk in this. He really does seem like... Really stuck up, and I understand like he's the band leader, and the band leader gets more than the others. Uh, but I, Don Felder was really talented on guitar. Like my favorite song by the Eagles is Hotel California, but I like the guitar on there. I really like like the the theme on the on the guitar, and I like the the solos, which are Joe Walsh and Don Felder. Glenn Frey doesn't do anything, and all Don Henley does is sing. And I have never ever understood the appeal of Don Henley's voice. Like, everyone in the documentary keeps talking about, like, yeah, I mean, when you have Don Henley on vocals, I'm just like, yeah, man. It's like having milk in your fridge. It's, it doesn't mean anything to me. It's, it, it's just, I don't know. I, I'm not really into his vocals. Uh, I do think that Don Henley and uh, uh, Glenn Frey are both very talented. Uh, astonishingly, it's talented, but I don't think that they were the superior members of the band. I feel like Don Felder and uh, Joe Walsh didn't get enough attention. Now, Joe Walsh is, uh, how would I describe his voice? He sounded like the American version of Ozzy Osbourne. He did
2: quite <laughs> a bit of
0: heroin and quite a bit of alcohol. So uh, the fact that he is intelligible at all without subtitles is a bit of a miracle. Uh, but I think he's doing well now, which is good. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on the, on the Seagulls documentary?
1: So, I, my, like, my favorite kind of music documentary specifically is, like, the one where, like, two dudes are, like, fucking Jordan and Pippin now, where they just hate each other, and you can tell they hate each other, but also, like, yeah. they collaborated on, like, this really cool thing. Yeah. And, uh, uh I, I'm not gonna talk much about the Beatles thing later, because I'm sure nobody wants to listen to that but me, but, uh, mm-hmm. um... Watching that reminded me of a lot of this, solely because, like, there's so much tension in this movie. Like, you can tell that, you know, Don Henley and Glenn Fry do not get along over a lot of things. But you can also tell that, like, they kind of know that, like, you know, they, they did this really cool thing together. And that, like, that's, like, this—there's, like, a connection there that makes all of the petty sniping and feuding— Seems so much more significant than it would be if it were just like, you know, me and Parker arguing about which episode of Yu Yu show was the best, you know? I should, it's like. That's you know, the
2: clear answer, actually.
0: <laughs> Dude, I had to show that picture of, like, Kevin Hart as uh, one of the characters. I showed that to one of my friends who's actually seen it, and he's just like, I don't know who Botan is. I was like, I don't know who Botan is, period. So. <laughs> I should watch that show. Anyway, uh, the, yeah, one they, the one you thing that the one thing that Don me. Henley and uh, the one thing that Don Henley and Glenn Fry can agree on is they really like fucking over Don Felder. And I'm really pissed off. And maybe Don Felder didn't have much of a solo career, but damn it, he did the best part of uh, Hotel California. And that goes a really long way. Um, anyway, one other thing I'd like to mention about this is despite all the tension, despite Glenn Fry like really shitting on Don Felder, like more than is necessary, is I kind of expected it. I kind of expected that's, like, run-of-the-mill for, like, these rock bands. Like, you don't even get that in Beatles documentaries, you know? You don't even get, like, John... You don't even get, like, John Lennon being, like, oh, I hope Paul fucking dies, I do. Like, this is kind of something that you just sort of know about with some bands. Like, Frank Zappa versus the Mothers of Invention. and those two guys from Blur- Oasis. Like, there, there's just this, this tension, you know, between certain band members and just kind of know that it's there. Uh i think it's played up maybe a little bit in this one uh maybe to the extent that like the hardcore fans of the eagles which by this point are all in their 70s uh really expect that was one of the things is like this is a part one and part two part one was like an hour and 50 and the second part was 110 and i'm like there's a part two for this what what else is there to talk about they, they made it big and then they broke up Well, they came back later, and, like, it's nice to see all their fans have aged up with them. They do not have any more teenage fans. No one's just like, yeah, man, I really like the Eagles, besides me, I guess. So, uh, again, three songs. Uh, But, yeah, you know, that was actually a really good documentary. I'm really appreciative that you uh, sent this to me. Now, the next one here is uh, just a little intro here. Um, I don't know anything about this. I think... Alex, you're the only one who has any experience with this, so a lot of this was le- was a loss on me. But I did hate this movie. So if that's what you were going for, thank you. I watched the Pure Ponage movie. Um, <laughs> except I, I, except I, uh, I pronounce it wrong. Apparently, it's actually pronounced Pure Onage because the P is like you mistyped it with an O. I only say that because right. in the movie, well, in the movie, you're have a gamer then, bud. <laughs> hey. In the movie, they keep saying it as pure ownage. I was just like, "Oh, was I saying it wrong this entire time?" Here's an alarming fact: like, I had to look up like what this is supposed to be because it does kind of feel like a live action version of like Control Delete. Like, it's the same sort of thing. It's like this loser gamer, you know, who's like not great at social interaction, but is really good at games. Uh, is just like really obnoxious to everyone, and we're supposed to find that charming, I guess. Uh he, he's uh just kind of just being a jerk the entire movie. And I don't know if I'm supposed to find that funny. The whole thing felt like. A a like a B tier nostalgia critic movie. Uh, for, so thank you for that. I actually did some research, so I looked up Pure Onish, which is a very Canadian, I guess, TV show or maybe web series or something like that about a web series. Yeah, gaming. Was yeah. Yeah, the, you know, it, back a, when a very that was different a thing time that people could do. <laughs> See, this is the thing: is like I can't even make fun of you for watching because it was like 2003. It was oh, like, dude, I didn't watch
1: this. Shit, are you kidding me?
0: Oh, how did you even hear
1: about this? Then I guess I mean, other people were posting about in, it or in certain circles. You just become familiar with things. Like, oh. I've seen maybe six episodes of Red vs. Blue ever, but, like, oh. everyone I know th- has seen, you know, a yeah. hundred times more than that, so...
0: Yeah, I, uh... Well, I can tell you this, man. I did not get into pure owners the movie. I went onto the letterbox, and it appears the only people who have reviewed it besides me are people who are hardcore fans, so... That one-half-star rating, good old Chris Field. Um, it's... Uh, I, there's really nothing to recommend here. Like, he... He joins a. He's really likes video games. This came out in 2016. Like he, it, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I know I'm just. Know. You're, you're just like if it, someone's listening to this, you're like, what's what's the big deal about this coming out in 2016? I'm like, how do I put this? Someone talking about how much they like video games in 2016 just kind of sounds weird, you know? Like there's wasn't there an article that like kind of led up to GamerGate that said gamers are over. If you actually read the text of the article, it made a good point. It's just, like, everyone's a gamer now. Gamer doesn't really mean anything. It's just, like, everyone's got, like, a phone on their game that they play. Everyone plays Angry Birds, you know? So gamer isn't really, like, a special thing anymore. Um, So for this movie, for this guy to just like video games in general, like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything at all. Uh, I mean, here's a joke that they make, all right? Uh... He enters a tournament for video games. and the game that they're going to... They're all sitting in, a, like, a hotel lobby. Because that's the budget of this movie. Waiting to hear the game that they're going to play, right? He's, I think he's hoping it's going to be, like, Counter-Strike or something like that. And he says, that the game that we're going to play is League of Legends. And everyone's clapping. Oh, boy, we get to play this game. And he says, ha, lol. And the guy's like, right, exactly, lol. And he's like, no, like, I'm laughing. Like, we're not going to play that. That's a team game. And I'm just sitting there looking like, oh, my God, they're making this. That guy's 40 years old.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's the fact that like you said this came out in 2016 yeah it is a fucking movie cash-in on a web series that was popular when i was in high school right so, exactly like...
0: see that's yeah it's really weird to me because like there's this really long thing at the beginning i guess it was filmed as like a documentary uh the web series too so this kind of like falls into the same sort of line and it takes forever for it to get going like it really takes a long time i'm just like it feels like what it like it kind of feels like uh like the red letter media stuff with mr plankins and they take a while to get going there but that's funny that's at least funny this is like oh man the fans really want to know where he was this entire time no one has ever wondered where this guy was Okay? I don't even know this guy's name. No one has ever been curious about this individual or his whereabouts or how good he is at video games. So, uh, absolutely nothing to recommend about this. Not a single line made me laugh. Thank you so much for pure onage. Now, on to something a lot more palatable. I watched the correct version of Next of Kin. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah, Dude! <laughs> dude! <laughs> Parker, have you seen Next of Kin? I have not. Dude! Okay, watch the 1989 version. Do not watch the 1982 Australian version. Uh, Because the the Australian version's not on the list. (laughs) (laughs) The Next Next of Kin, dude, it's got fucking Liam Neeson doing a a hillbilly accent the entire movie. Okay, okay. Okay, so it's got uh, Patrick Swayze. I already know you're in, but Patrick Swayze's in it, and he's a detective. Who never wears a tie, I guess. And, uh, he... Where does where this take place? Like, the Bayou or something like that? New Orleans
1: or something? No, it takes place in Chicago. But they're, but all, has they're like all Kentucky a, boys. Yeah, they're so. all
0: Kentucky hillbillies. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's a detective who plays kind of fast and loose. Anyway, his brother gets killed. But also, his brother's got family up in their mountains. And one of those family members is Liam Neeson. Doing a redneck accent. Hillbilly accent. The entire movie. And so, Patrick Swayze is trying to take down the killer by the book, and <laughs> Liam Neeson just comes down from the mountains with a rifle and says, I'm going to take him down myself. <laughs> they have It's sort of like a, a race against your killer hillbilly brother to find the, the killer first <laughs> and take him to justice by the book. Uh, and then uh, they, of course, end up working together because that's a more entertaining movie. Uh, you also end up liking Liam Neeson a lot more just because you're like, I kind of want to see what the hillbilly's going to do, you know? And uh, his scenes are a lot more entertaining. This movie's so fucking entertaining, dude. I really it did really like is. this a lot.
1: You, you neglected <laughs> to mention that their third brother who was murdered is Bill Paxton.
0: Oh, right! Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> okay. okay. Dude. <laughs> now. Dude, it is actually worth your time. I actually had a really good time with this one. Uh, I'm going to move on really quick. I I did watch a lot of stuff, and uh, some of it I'm going to skip over, but some of it I cannot skip over under any circumstances. Uh, One of the ones, and some of the ones I'm just going to make quick, I think one of the quickies here is I finally sat down and I watched The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I don't know if you guys have uh, seen that one. It's the Brad Pitt, uh, Casey Affleck one. Uh, great movie. It uh, turns out everyone was right. That movie's actually really good. Uh, possibly the best performance by Brad Pitt and a great performance by Casey Affleck who... Um, don't read that Wikipedia article. Uh, I would definitely recommend that movie to everyone. Uh, great cinematography um, and uh, really deep. It was a, a lot of themes about uh, you know your perspective on heroism and uh, your place in the world and I I don't know, it was really good. Next one, another one, I can only talk about it quickly because I really don't have much to say about it, is uh, this was on the list. I don't know if it belongs there. It's called Under the Skin. Came out in 2013. This has Scarlett Johansson in it. Uh, It fucking sucks. It's, um, I think it mostly takes place in Scotland. It was filmed there. And, uh, look, I'm Scottish, and I don't understand what they're saying in this fucking movie because most of these people... We're not actors. Okay, so the movie goes like this. It's First of all, there's this kind of trippy thing where Scarlett Johansson discovers her own body or something like that. And then, and then anyway, she's sort of walking the streets and she's hitchhiking, right? And when she gets in these cars and these truckers are just like talking to her, like she's a woman, and she's clearly flirting with them and they don't really know what to do. Because when you pick up a woman on the side of the road and she looks like Scarlett Johansson, like you're not going to be like, hey, babe, I want to go back to my place. You're just going to be like, uh, your hair looks nice. You know, it's you're going to be like that. These were real people, and they were filmed without their nose. So the filmmakers just like, hey, surprise, you're making a movie. You want to be in a movie with Scarlett Johansson? You get to take your clothes off and show your dick. And they're just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah right. And uh, they, they do that. And I think she consumes their souls or something. I have no idea. So I think the text of the movie is that she's an alien, right? and she's brought in earth and she puts on human skin and the human that she picks it's scarlett johansson so she's got good taste and as the movie goes on she's she's like stealing these men's life energy or something like that it's really not very clear it's filmed in one of those like euro art house sort of things and by the end of the movie she's sort of like wondering this no dialogue to explain this by way so i'm just picking up on it. if i got anything wrong i don't care. Uh, She's sort of wondering what it means to be human and whether she wants to continue doing what she's doing. And by the end of it, a guy tries to rape her. And uh, then she's able to escape. And the guy comes back and douses her in fire. I'm just like, I'm kind of on the rapist side here because she was stealing men's souls. (laughs) Much like Katana's Blade. So uh, thank you for Under the Skin for making me empathize with with a rapist. Great. Not the first time, uh, not the last. Go Cowboys, yeah. baby! Let's get it. <laughs>
2: Checking in. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, here's one, an assignment from Parker. Uh, this little present I pulled from under the tree. It's called Looney Tunes back in action. Hell yeah, uh, Joe Dante movie with Brendan Fraser and other actors. This uh, this movie is actually pretty good. Certainly better than Space Jam. Not the highest bar to clear. Uh, not as good as The Mummy, which, a uh, very high bar to clear. Uh, so, Joe Dante, you can tell, really does like the Looney Tunes. I'll get into that in a little bit. And he has a certain plan for how these things ought to go. Apparently, the studio fucked this one up. They really took over a lot of control of the production. Now Joe Dante doesn't even want to talk about the movie. He'd rather talk about small soldiers. Poor fucker. Anyway, um, there's a lot of manic energy in this movie. Uh, and most of it is done well. This actually feels... A lot of the jokes in this movie really work. Like fucking Yosemite Sam being like this uh, host at uh, Las Vegas. It makes sense. It, it works. Uh, Foghorn Leghorn there too. Uh, the the characters tell jokes that they ought to tell. Like This is such a better portrayal of what Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck would be like in a live action movie. Uh, maybe the biggest problem with the movie is Steve Martin, which I say about most movies that Steve Martin's in. I do not know why he's here or what he is doing. Uh, he's just dreadful. But Brendan Fraser's actually pretty good. Uh, it's kind of sad that, like, he, he didn't really become a big star. I guess, like, the Alamo thing really fucked him. Not in the weekend. But, like... He tells some really good jokes in here. He's just like, man, I fucking hate. Wait, what does he say in the movie? What does he say? He's just like, have you ever met Brendan Fraser? I was his stunt double for two Mummy movies. And I'm just like, wait, that's actually a pretty good joke. What are we doing? I didn't know this movie had permission to be good. Uh, and it turns out it is good. It's actually a lot of fun. Show it to your kids if you have them. Uh, watch it by yourself while drinking rum if you're like me. Um, thank you, Parker. I did like this one. Hell yeah. The joke uh, about
2: the mummy movies isn't so funny when he realized it
0: like ruined his career because he got so hard on doing them. Oops. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, he worked really hard on those, so I appreciate the hard work and the effort. Uh, next one, I didn't like at all. Uh, I watched Eden Lake. Um, I think oh, it's. I haven't uh, seen that one yet. Oh, don't watch this. It's uh oh, Michael. Yeah, Michael Fassbender or whatever <laughs> the guy with the dick. Uh, he's, he's in this. In yeah, he is. Well, I guess I
2: watched. Does he show hog? Yeah, no. I wish he did. Okay,
0: uh, this movie is how do I put this? Remember the episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog with like that hunchback? He's like really ugly, and they sit, he sits down at the table across from Eustace, and Eustace is just making fun of how ugly he is, and the guy's only retort "And you sir sure are extremely bald." This movie yeah, it is ex. Like well, I can. There's so many things I can say about this movie. I just want to make sure. Co-host, dickhead. Yeah. the the The, the, the movie. I just want to. The, the one criticism. I want to make sure. I I would just say about this movie. Over to go. This movie is extremely British. Like oh, astonishingly. Oh, god, you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. This movie is so. Fucking British. It's really irritating. Okay, so the story. Michael Fassbinder and his regular-looking wife go to the beach in Britain. When I say the beach, I mean it's kind of like this dirty side of a lake, which is as good as the beaches get over there. And uh, on, this, on the other side of the lake are a bunch of chavs. And I don't even know if this meets the definition of chavs. These look like, I guess, British hoodlum sort of thing. This is one of the things where, like... Look, not to be mean or anything... But our gangs could kick the shit out of Britain's gangs, all right? Like, you look at these guys, you're like, they're not intimidating. I could kick every single one of their asses, especially her ass. You can't have a girl in your gang.
1: Dude, my favorite thing about every time there's a British gang portrayed in any form of media is they always look like exactly the kind of people that, like, if they jumped you, they just, like, push you around in a circle for, like, five seconds and then run away.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, they would, like, kick over a trash can and call you old man and leave. You're like, oh. Those damn kids. If that country had guns, I guess they'd be different, but I don't think very much different. I think maybe they'd have fewer guns. (laughs) Honestly, they could use some. Like, they really. Like, could. We, uh, I'm trying to tell them. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we, we could uh, we could even this out a little bit if you guys need some. Just let us know. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we have uh, plenty of excess. But anyway,
0: these kids are like really. It's it's kind of like a, what's that movie I really hate? Funny games where they're less murderous and more kind of annoying than anything else. And you can't kill them because they're teenagers and you're older. If you kill them, you go to jail. Whereas if they were adults, you could kill them and get away with it. Uh, anyway, they keep, like, being really annoying, and there's this kind of subtle but not very useful portrayal. It's like, the reason that they're this violent is not because they're young. This isn't, like, a fuck the young people sort of movie. It's because they're poor. And, like, oh, there's doing, like, a class sort of thing, right? It's all about class. This movie doesn't... It's not good enough to make me think about class. I'm just thinking about Britain being a shitty place to live. Uh, and I, I can understand the people who like it, but... This is absolutely not for me. It's almost like... You can't even call it, like, Home Invasion. Because it's it's just not good enough to get there. Also, Parker, don't watch this with a little lady. uh, Dog gets killed. So, uh, yeah. Also, I don't think she'd like it because it's not good. But uh, I really didn't like this one. I thought it was a waste of time. Good point. Uh, Parker, I assigned you a movie called Cyber Ninja. Have you watched it yet?
2: No, the download kept corrupting. So I have to watch it split up on YouTube. Sorry.
0: That uh, was next I, on the list up until. Uh, you know? I, I watched it myself. Boy, the intro alone will be enough for you, so I won't say any more about it. I'm incredibly
2: excited for it.
0: Okay, next one. Boy, I hope you guys don't make jokes, but I, I wouldn't blame you if you did. Um, remember that anime list of movies? So I just like to watch these with kids. <laughs> I'm going to make jokes. Yeah, uh there was one on there that uh was on both lists of uh, anime movies. It's like, oh, you know, dusty VHS cover. It's like, and this one is apparently critically acclaimed. Uh this is called Kite and it's from 1998. I'm going to tell you guys right now, both of you do not watch Kite. Um I, I think uh Alex every once in a while I'll mention an anime movie you'll say, "Oh, the Japanese rape scale, where does it lie?" Uh Kite. That is if it's not a delicate way of
1: putting it, but sure. <laughs> no, I
0: think you said that. You're just like out of ten, how much sexual assault is there? Uh if kite is not ten, then it's nine point nine. because it's A, it's uncensored, it turns out, boy, you really do miss those mosaic bars and this and the other thing is it's underage. And oh, cool. yeah, repeated. Like really repeated a lot. And at first I thought that they were going to go in the opposite direction because the basic premise of this movie is that there is this young girl who is an assassin. I guess kind of like uh, Leon the Professional, which already has enough uh, sex stuff going on there that you don't want to think about. And in this one, uh, the first person that she kills is a pedophile. And you're like, oh, maybe this will be like a reaction to all the pedophilia in anime, and maybe this will be a commentary on Japan. No, uh, you know, there's a. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's not what they do over there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I really thought that that was what was going to happen there. But, like, there's a. There's every once in a while, there'll be an extremely stupid person on Twitter who will say that uh, depiction is endorsement in movies. And I always, you're like, what an idiot. And then you watch this, and you're just like, oh. Because <laughs> uh, it keeps happening over and over and over again. And you're like, you're not convincing me that you're not beating off to this while you draw it, you know? <laughs> After the third sexual assault of a minor, did you think, like, maybe I could watch something else instead? <laughs> Why I, did you yeah, but...
1: it through? <laughs> Parker, you heard it, it was... was on two lists.
0: Yeah, it was on two lists. I got to go through with it. But also, <laughs> I. I had, I had also heard that this was actually supposed to be I was like where does the good part come in besides the animation is actually really good oh, so buddy, you just described shout out it. to the animation what
2: you described the good parts
0: oh yeah alright uh, so here you're like oh who liked this movie Quentin Tarantino <laughs> maybe that should have been my sign yeah, <laughs> apparently he told uh, I don't remember the actress's name but one of the actresses for uh, uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 he told her yeah watch this movie to repair." I'd just like to say Quentin Tarantino what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> I, I
2: hope it's not. who I, I think hope it so. Is. <laughs> uh,
0: I don't think it was Zuma Thurman, but it was. Uh, what are the other actors? I, I don't think it was the Japanese actors. Come on! I don't think it was Lucy man is looking. not subtle. <laughs> I don't I'm look. I'm not going to look it up because I don't want to so think. So in it this scene, anymore, you're going to but...
2: hide under the bed and watch your mom die. So I want you to watch so the scene the of the other this child getting raped.
0: Yeah, look, I had—I think I had had this on my uh, hard drive for a while, and Alex came over, and we were going through movies to watch it, and she was like, you have Kite? And I was just like, oh, you've heard of it? And she was like, oh, yeah, I've seen it. But she didn't say anything else. Alex, it's not your fault that Some you didn't friend. tell me don't watch it, but like, in the future, if a movie has this much pedophilic rape, you can tell me, uh, hey, Chris, why do you have that downloaded?
2: You have that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen it.
0: Actually, no, fairness Anyways. to her, I think she I think she might have asked, like, why do you have Kite on here? And I think I may have said, well, there are these two letterbox lists, and I think she would be like, oh, God, Chris is talking again? Oh, fuck. <laughs> she may have just tuned me out, just which, cute. uh, fair. You say the word
2: list, and she just... It's, it's just, like RoboCop going yeah. the Prime directives. Just blacks out entirely. She's
0: just like, "Oh God, why won't he just shut up and die?" Anyway,
2: I, uh, I said the trigger word. Let me wait till he stops talking.
0: Right, exactly. It's it's like saying propane around Hank Hill. He like, huh? turns his head around. <laughs> uh, anyway, don't watch kite. It's not good. Uh, it really bothered me. Um, so. Next one I watched is where I'll clear my throat there. I don't like Robert Altman's movies, but I ended up really liking The Long Goodbye. This has, uh... I don't remember the lead actor's name. Yeah, whatever. Uh, The important thing here is that The Long Goodbye is one of the Philip Marlowe movies. Uh, Philip Marlowe was the lead actor, or the lead character of The Big Sleep from 1946, one of my old probably my old-time favorite film noir. Uh... Now, Oh, I just looked it up. It was Elliot Gouldis in this. He's really good. Uh, he plays, like, you think about, like, the, the, the detective in these sorts of movies uh, sort of talking to himself. That's all he does in this movie is talk to himself. He just quips to himself the entire time. And he's actually kind of funny, so he can get away with it. The important thing I want to say about this is I don't think that you give all the credit to Robert Altman here because, again, I don't really like his movies. I want to give a lot of credit to the screenwriter here. Her name was Lee Brackett. Lee Brackett was one of the really underappreciated writers in American history. She also wrote, apparently, she was the initial writer for uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And most of what she used in her screenplay was used in uh, that movie. She also, I think she wrote Rio Bravo, which is like one of the all-time great westerns. And she wrote The Big Sleep. So, and a lot of really good science fiction stuff. So I really like Lee Brackett and her writing is super on point here so I actually really think that this works especially because it kind of feels like they took uh, like the big, sling, like one of those 1940s film noirs, and they're just like, okay what if we put that sort of story in the 1970s but the character Philip Marlowe is still from the 1940s, and it works and it's really interesting, it almost feels like a satire of the genre, so but the first, oh sorry, the second time I've had a good time with a Robert Altman movie the first time was Popeye uh <laughs> uh right, you I'm got gonna, me you got yeah me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna skip these next three because they're not interesting okay this is a tough one to talk about but I, i'd like to get to it uh this is called 1987 uh royal space force the wings of i don't know how to say this i, I whenever i see it i want to call it royal space force the wings of hollandaise but it's the wings of honey eyes uh it came out in 1987 and I think there was an opportunity to see this at the Alamo, but I was busy, so I missed out, which is a shame because this movie's actually really good. It's an anime, right? And it kind of feels like it's an anime version of Top Gun. Which, right off the bat, that's like I've never been more into a premise because, like, I love Top Gun, and like an anime version, like, what are they going to do? This is going to be really cool. What if oh, he pilots a match
2: volleyball scene in an anime? <laughs> well,
0: okay, well. Well uh, they don't do any of that and unfortunately no mechs, so uh, only an eight out of 10 here but the in the the first half of this movie is really good. it's there's a lot of like uh, it's more about space exploration than it is about you know fighter jets but it's still like this guy who wants to be a pilot and he's putting forth the effort to achieve that goal and the dub for this holy shit you guys gotta hear this dub like ordinarily like you when i say that it's like you got characters who have like crazy accents and they say dumb shit in this one this is like one of those rare dubs where you're like i'm surprised that they were able to emote and also have their mouth sync up so well like the dub is actually worth seeking out just for how good it sounds and just for how good it works with their characters so I was shocked by that. The animation is really good. I believe this is by Gynax, which is the same studio that did uh, Gunbuster and some other series I don't really like. Uh, this one I really, really enjoyed uh, until it gets to the second half. And the second half is kind of starts to drag a bit. And then something happens. A scene that was cut for European audiences and American Uh-oh. audiences. Uh-oh. You can already guess. Uh, the lead character who we like, we're supposed to like, because he's a good guy. He's rooming with this uh, very Christian woman, uh, and he likes her, but she's not really reciprocating. And then one night, he goes over to her while she's changing and sexually assaults her. She stops him before he could go far at all. So really, on the Japanese scale, this is at most a 2 out of 10. But it gets increased to like at least a 4 out of 10, because this is the lead character. You're supposed to have bad guys do the rapes. And instead, this is a character we're supposed to like. And I don't like him anymore. And once it happens, I can't, I have trouble going back. I wish I had got the Ninja Scroll cut that I got where they cut that scene out altogether. Because guess what? It never gets mentioned again. It, never, it doesn't even, like, no one even talks about it anymore. We don't need any of this in the movie. And I have a feeling that this was put in by some sort of studio executive being like we gotta have some titties in this movie, someone's gotta jack off to it somehow, because that keeps happening in a lot of these movies, some more so than others, but it's a shame because but for that scene, this would have been one of the best anime movies I've watched, and unfortunately it's one that I have trouble recommending so kind of bothers me Uh, you know what else
1: nobody talks about
0: I don't even get the origin of that meme. Did you see, like, one person tweet about, like, the Patriots? No one talks about the Patriots being good?
2: Oh, the crazy part is is that a little anime girl open as a 1.5 favorite. <laughs> I wish that I could just blame it on one person, buddy.
0: Oh, it has it's been a, a relentless like assault people. on
1: my sensibilities for over a decade.
0: You know, I follow more Patriot stuff on Twitter than you do. I've never seen it. Yeah, because
1: you participate.
0: Oh, I'm one of them? <laughs>
1: Not all of these. Uh, no. no, no, no.
0: No, no, no. No. You know, I just think it's interesting. We only have three people nominated to the Pro Bowl, and one of them's our long snapper. So, next one I watched... Oh, I'm skipping that. Uh, I'm definitely... Maybe I guess I'll talk about that. (laughs) Well, I was saving this one for February, but uh, I decided I'd just pull the trigger and watch Driving Miss Daisy Now. Uh... Driving Miss Daisy is... <laughs> I thought you were going a different route in February. I, I was just wondering, like, okay, how is he going to link these together in February? No, no, no. <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy, a movie with... Uh, uh, what's her name? Jessica Walter or whatever? Daisy. I don't know, the old woman. Oh. And the other... The other friend, <laughs> fuck himself. <laughs> You're just jealous you didn't say it first. And... Uh, Morgan Freeman, obviously, and uh, here's an important thing. I, I should just insert the audio from Space Jam right now. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait! I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. He's actually in. The, he's actually one of the best parts of this movie. No one told me driving Miss Daisy, which I believe won Best Picture, has Dan Aykroyd in a significant part of this movie. Uh, this movie, I do not know how this won Best Picture. Okay, so I don't know if you guys know the lore behind this, but this was nominated for Best Picture the same year that Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee was nominated for the same award. And Spike Lee was just like, oh, I better not get beat up by fucking driving Miss Daisy, showing this this black guy has to be a driver for this old rich woman, just see, so See? People can get together. Like, he didn't want that at all. And of course, it ended up winning, and he was furious that his film got passed over. And I'll... I'll tell you this, Spike Lee, low part of clear, but yes, Do the Right Thing is a better movie than Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy has to be up there for one of the most overrated Best Picture winners. I know there's a lot. I, I think Green Book is up there. Uh, I guess Crash is the one that people usually reference. Uh, but Driving Miss Daisy is such a nothing of a movie. I was just like, okay, I'm sure it'll be overrated in some capacity, but I, I didn't expect it to be so like, not just shallow, but, like, there's no substance here. It's like, tell me the plot of Driving Miss Daisy. He drives Miss Daisy. That's it. That There's really nothing interesting about this movie at all. I do not understand anyone who's like, yeah, I really like this one. Like, it's so boring. I was really surprised, actually. Have you guys seen this?
2: Uh, probably. <laughs> not, uh, dude, it's not interesting
0: no. enough for me to assign. I'm not going to. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Well, anyway, do, it is, I mean, uh... Do I look or sound like I would have seen Driving yeah. Miss Daisy? Wait, I shouldn't yeah. answer yeah.
2: that. I okay. kind of sound like it. Alright, yeah. so... so
1: just put File this away in the old memory bank. Driving Miss Daisy defeminized cut. Alright, moving on. <laughs>
2: Dude,
0: I, I... Again, I'm still thinking about the Royal Space Force Wings of Honey and May's, like, Ninja Scroll cut, alright? Just cut out that one scene. We're in Okay, on a similar note, I watched the Santa Claus with, uh, Tim Allen. So, here's the thing. Um... At work on Slack, there are a lot of people talk about Christmas movies. I remember last year, they were like, "What's your favorite Christmas movie?" And people were talking about like, I, I think whether it's like a debate that's like be, it goes beyond like is Die Hard a Christmas movie. They're like, "Is Tim Allen uh, guilty of murder in the Santa Claus?" And they were asking me, and I was like, "I don't know. I've never seen that." Like, but you're the movie guy. How have you not seen the Santa Claus? And they they were telling me I need to see the Santa Little Claus Earth. three. They were telling me that I need to see the Santa Claus three, and that's why I just signed off. I was like, "Yeah, yeah I'd call I call it a sick like, today." <laughs> I was
2: dead ass gonna watch all three Santa Claus movies because I've also never seen them, but I've heard three is an absolute nightmare.
0: I'm kind of curious now Thank because I for, uh, I, I forgot that there was a Santa Claus 3. And then I saw the cover. It's like Jack Frost. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but Martin Short. Oh, yeah, no. that's awful.
2: Absolute
0: nightmare. No, I was ta. born. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, those are elevated aesthetics. So, in The Santa Claus, Tim Allen, this is 1994. I think this was his first starring role oh. in a movie. And he made this at the same time that he was making Home Improvement. So he had three number ones. He had the number one movie with the Claus, He had the number one TV show with Home Improvement. And he had the number one book, according to the New York Times bestseller list, Never Stand Too Close to a Naked Man. Thanks, Tim. So uh, I've definitely seen this trailer before on, like, Disney VHS's, And I remember watching it and being like, who would watch this? Like, even when I was four years old, I was just like, this looks awful. And uh, the movie's not good at all uh i've met multiple people more than one who say that this is their favorite christmas movie and uh every single time i've asked what is it specifically that you like about the santa claus and every single time they say well it's just gotta be nostalgia i mean that's that's i'm just gonna be honest with you chris it's just nostalgia because that is the only possible explanation the only thing this movie has for is there's a lot of Christmas iconography. Uh, there's a lot of wreaths, a lot of jingle bells. Uh, there, it, Santa is in this movie. Uh, dude, that's about it. There's really, there's no substance here. Uh, I Tim Allen didn't make me laugh once. At one point, they're walking out and they start, like, kind of dancing to a ZZ Top song. And I'm like, what is this? So, uh, don't watch the Santa Claus. Instead, watch Triple Six Turtle Christmas. Um, five hour yeah, documentary yeah. about yeah. ZZ Top, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I, yum, I, yum, I, I... <laughs> hey Chris, quick
1: question: How's your dad feel about Tim Allen?
0: No opinion whatsoever. Uh, no, he has no opinions on uh, Tim Allen. Are you talking about like he had that, uh, what was it that network show or something where he was like fighting back against wokeness in the classroom or something? My dad doesn't watch the network television, so, uh,
2: yet. That's pretty I mean, surprising, yeah. actually.
0: Yeah, he, I think it's, I think it's because he watches so much football. and Whenever you see like the CBS, the number one comedy, he has the same reaction. It's just like, well, who are you to say it's number one? Change the channel back to Huckabee. <laughs> so, uh, that's what it's like in our house. Um, I watched uh, 2000's Shadow of the Vampire with John Malkovich oh, yeah. and Willem Dafoe, who might actually be <laughs> a vampire. Fuck.
1: I forgot about this one.
0: Have you seen this one, Alex? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Parker's seen it as well, I believe. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I really like this. I think this is one of those ones where like the movie's kind of made for me, not just because I really like John Malkovich, but I also like uh, movies that are about movies. So this is... One of the all-time premises is like, okay, Nosferatu in 1922, FW Word right? right? Uh, the rumor behind this movie was, and obviously a fake rumor, the rumor behind this movie was that Max Shrek, who plays the titular Nosferatu, was an actual vampire. And this movie is just like, what if that was real? And they just go with that. The most shocking thing about this movie is that Willem Dafoe plays a vampire and John Malkovich is not a vampire. So I was just like, oh... That's kind of the opposite of what I was expecting. Instead, uh, he plays a German director, which he's actually really good at. There is a line in this movie, I don't quite remember exactly word for word, which uh, maybe if I maybe if I look it up online, I'll put it in the, the show notes or something. At one point, he's just quoting F.W. Murnau, which is the character he's playing, uh, talking about what movies are. He says that, "...we are the creators of memories, but our memories will never fade. Our memories will last forever." I thought that was really beautiful. And then I looked it up, and like eight of F.W. Murdoch's uh, movies are lost forever. So, I yeah. guess he was kind of wrong about that. Uh, Shadow the Vampire, <laughs> I think, is really good. A lot of people didn't like it. They said, well, it's not that scary. I was just like, did you miss that this is supposed to be a comedy? Did you did you miss all the funny parts of this movie? This movie's hilarious. I was I'm laughing so Having the
2: cover of Willem Dafoe just eating his cameraman is incredibly yeah. good.
0: Dude, one of the funniest moments, it's just like a little thing that they're doing. So, like, first of all, Willem Dafoe in full Noseratu makeup with, like, the nails in it. It's just going, like, this the entire movie. It's just kind of like, he's, it kind of looks like he's a rain man for some of this stuff. He doesn't really know what to do. He's just, ar, ar. And at one point, uh, Malkovich <laughs> is, like, his arm is it. like, okay, he has some esoteric working conditions, and he, his style is very unique. And Willem Dafoe is just like... He <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> just like a little, a little thing like that, don't folks? And you're just like, oh my god, I love this movie. I, I really do. I don't understand the people who don't like Shadow the Vampire. Uh, Alex, your opinion on this? Um,
1: you pretty much covered it, but I've been thinking of uh, <laughs> you reminding me of what my jerk of the week was supposed to be this week. Oh, when what? you when you talked when you talked about you know oh, what if he was a real vampire? Yeah, because uh. <laughs> I'm going to a bachelor party in New Orleans in April, and uh, I was, naturally, you know, I asked the the guy getting married, I'm like, so we're, we're definitely going on a ghost tour, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, I, I got a guy, like, like, when we went in 2014, <laughs> we went on this ghost tour with this dude, Lord Chaz, and was, he's, like, this, like, 6'6 dude that wore a top hat and contacts, like, had these long nails, and just, like, leaned into, you know, all the schlocky bullshit. It's like, yeah, it was super, super hokey, everybody will appreciate it. I was like, ah, I should make sure he's still open, and I looked it up. And, apparently, he got arrested for having, like, 150 counts of child porn, so, uh... <laughs> Whoops.
0: <laughs> Big week for diddling kids on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, uh, sorry to hear that. That guy is, in fact, the jerk of the week. For getting arrested, not for the... Anyway, so... Uh... No, it's because he's a real vampire. <laughs> oh, the that's stuff, true. Just, yeah. you know. <laughs> anyway, Shout the Vampire is really good. I highly recommend it. Um... Next one I want to talk about I finally sat down uh, This is based on Glitterstorm's recommendation uh, I believe his number two movie of all time Is Master and Commander The Far Side of the World Which uh, I finally oh, hell had yeah I finally had two and a half hours To sit down and put it on Dude this movie is actually really good Turns out my dad was right It really is better than The Pirates of the Caribbean movies uh, I really liked it It was super realistic uh, Russell Crowe This is Russell Crowe About a hundred pounds ago uh, also about 20 years ago, is really good in this. And, God, that guy was really handsome. There there's a point in time where he was really on top of things, and then he gained about as much weight as Brendan Fraser did, so I stuck being unhinged. But uh, he's really good <laughs> in this. Uh, did you know that he learned how to play violin just for this movie, just to make it more realistic? He's actually pretty good. That, that really rules. Uh, he also... Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, like, the funny thing about this movie, because I also love this movie, despite <laughs> having not seen it in a while, but, like, the one massive, unignorable, glaring fall of this m- flaw of this movie is having, you know, your, like, hoity-toity, high-society British commander played by this gravelly-mouthed Australian <laughs> you just tell, like, <laughs> back in the day would have been swabbing the poop tech one million percent. Oh, yeah, that is... It it, it, it like, I, I love Russell Crowe. I, I think
0: he has a lot of versatility. His voice is not part of it. So, here's the thing is, I actually like his voice in this one, and I realize, when you go into, like, IMDb, you look like, who made the movie and everyone in this is British. You're like, oh, this must be like a UK-US co-production. No, it was all US. So the Americans looked at this like, we're not gonna let the British bully us into putting Jude Law as the lead of this movie. No. We're gonna have Russell Crowe. you talked me to do it. You're like, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm on your side now. That's <laughs> right, all you exactly. have
0: to say. I will say, yeah, that's the one flaw in terms of realism that, like, there's no way a guy with a voice like that would have would have the ability to wear a tie. But in this one, yeah, he's, he's actually really good. Uh, I really love this. I, I kind of want to read the books now. I bet they'd be really good. Uh, oh, Christmas is coming up. Maybe we'll get them for my dad or something. Uh, anyway, I liked that quite a bit. Uh, only a few more here. Um, I went to the Arlington Draft House, which is not in Alamo. Sad to say. Uh, I got dragged there uh, by Stephanie, who is. And, uh, and uh, Alex went with me. We went to watch The Room, the one with Tommy Wiseau. And, uh, interesting one here because uh, Greg Sestero was there and he did a little question and answer and uh, I don't know if you guys know but he's directing a new movie a a horror movie that's coming out it's called Miracle Valley and it's inspired by uh, some 1970s horror movies like Halloween and The Hills of Eyes uh, I guess the only two good horror movies from the 1970s those two movies could not be less similar (laughs) yeah Uh, he was going to say 1970s movies like those I was just like what are the other ones Don't say Black Christmas. Uh, Turns out, uh, Grace Cicero has aged spectacularly in the 18 years since the release of The Room. He still looks younger than I do. Kind of pisses me off. Uh, Still does, without a doubt, the world's best Tommy Wiseau impression. Like, if you've watched The Room, you can do a Tommy Wiseau impression. But you can't do it as well as he does because he could also like he has like the diction he has like the word choice that Tommy Wiseau would use and like the cadence and everything. I don't know how he does it. It's astonishing, and I guess it's like he spent so much time around him that he couldn't like help it. But it is it's like Tommy's in the room with you. It's it's I I'm in shock and awe of this guy's gift, which is doing a Tommy Wiseau impression. Uh, Anyway, I actually asked him a question on the movie and he was kind enough to answer. I I asked him, so for Miracle Valley, I see that you're directing. Did you learn anything on the set of The Room, perhaps what not to do for this movie? And he said, yeah, he actually did. And the key thing here is just because you're the director doesn't mean you're the only person working on this. You don't. Don't be a one-man crew here. Don't be the one guy taking, you know, making all the decisions and like taking all the credit. Listen to other people. If other people have suggestions, you got to listen to them. And movies are a collaborative effort. And I thought that was really helpful. And you can certainly see what happens when you don't do that with the room. Which uh, a lot to say here. First of all, the Arlington Draft House gets a thumbs down in terms of a theater experience. You guys couldn't even pay for the movie, you're, and you're just like, what we you, what do you mean, pay for the movie? You just have it, you show it. No, they illegally streamed this online to show it to us on a projector, and we could tell because every once in a while the movie would have to stop and buffer. That now, owns... dude, every single person here has seen the room. They brought, de- almost every person, I'll get to that in a second. They brought their own DVDs and Blu-rays. You could just pop this in and they would just... No, 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 no. We're not gonna do that. We have to find a Russian website and and stream it there. If they had to stop... We have to look at a still screen from The Room. Which, by the way, not the best cinematography. And just wait for it to load. It was like, oh, Denny's gonna say something fucked up again. Uh... First of all, I'll get the good That's stuff out so of the
2: way. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's magic. Hey guys, let's wait five seconds. We can skip the jerk made ad, and then the movie will continue. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's fine. Don't worry about it. A- Astonishing. I can't believe they were so fucking cheap. But uh, speaking of cheap. i say that a lot in this movie. Uh, first of all, I'll get the, the regular stuff out of the way. The Room's still one of the best movies Uh, to watch. I've almost said ever made, but, like, it's such a fun viewing experience just because it's so bizarre. And it is a lot of fun with other people, but not necessarily with a crowd. Um, I'm kind of getting a little... I I had a good time, really. I did have a good time, but I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm a little apprehensive of, like, These group theater showings, like, uh, Parker, you know a lot of the story behind uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's certain parts of that movie where you're supposed to say a certain line, or like, uh, where, I don't know, the guy says, a toast. You're supposed supposed to throw toast in the air, or something like that. In this movie, whenever you see a spoon, you're supposed to throw plastic spoons in the air, or something like that. If someone hit it, maybe with a plastic spoon, they'd be picking up their teeth. But people are supposed to say the same lines over and over again. And I kind of think that's a little annoying, because there, there, there are spots in the movie where you could make up a new line, a new joke, that no one's ever heard this riff before, but you're the only one saying it, and no one's really getting it. And it, it kind of makes it a little bit awkward. I'm not saying that happened to me, but it happened to a couple other people in the theater, and it was just like, wait, those are some good jokes, but they're not part of the script it almost feels like there is a script for things that you're supposed to do during this movie. And some of it gets really annoying, you know? yelling like, go, 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 when the, when the camera's panning. Uh, some people talking over the dialogue, and I'm like, oh, well, they're talking over the dialogue for The Room. It's not like it's good anyway. But it's like, yeah, but it's so bad, I want people to hear it. There were, like, at least a half dozen people in this movie theater who had never seen The Room before. And now they're kind of missing, like, some of the shittiest moments. And it's like, you got to see some of this stuff, you know? you got to hear Denny saying his bizarre thing. I don't even know if it's Denny or Danny because Tommy so accent is so bizarre. Uh... But, like, it kind of feels like I'm, I don't know, I maybe watch it like a group setting. And don't get that one guy, you know, that one guy who has to do all the approved jokes from the room. Like, make your own jokes. That's, that's just the way that I feel about it. I feel, I, like, I'm not trying to say that we're better than other people, although we are. But, like, if, I think if we watch this, just the three of us, we'd be coming up with better jokes. You know? And some Yoda jokes, of course. Um,
1: See, I was literally spent that whole time thinking about Tommy Wiseau's Yoda impression. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: um, um, he he likes to eat, you know. Uh, okay, so I want to say something actually before that. Uh, Alice came over. There was something she wanted me to watch. It was a. Uh, it's a guy on YouTube who I don't really like. I guess he's pretty popular. Other people like him. It's called H Potter guy. four twenty. Oh. No.
1: I got him. Remember when we could watch him on YouTube? Those
0: are the days. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, H Bomber guy. He's uh he's his I guess he's British or something, I don't remember. Uh and he talks about video games most of the time. I think he does uh Oh wait, was it H Bomber guy? Was either H Bomber guy or, or someone else? I think it was H Bomber guy. I could be wrong. Whatever. Oh my god! Uh,
1: the idea of someone coming into my house and putting on a YouTube stream against my will just gave me so much 2005 PTSD. He such a two and a half shit.
0: hour
2: video about. It now. was
0: no, it was only like 38 minutes. So anyway, uh, oh, it was actually about. One. It was about Control Alt Delete, and at one point he stops talking about Control Alt Delete and talks about the room. And a lot of what he was saying about the room, he was just like, this is pretty clearly a personal story. And there is a part of the room where, like, Tommy's not really acting anymore. He's just talking about something that happened to him. And you can tell it's like, that's the only part of the movie where he seems natural. Uh, you're just like, oh, this actually happened to him, didn't it? Except for the whole suicide thing. So, the reason I bring up the control delete stuff is, one, I remember control delete I, I had a topic on Lulang's so in this topic, I comment on every single control delete comic, which I quickly abandoned. That's actually where I got my first uh, death threat. I think I mentioned that before. And, uh reading it, I mean, he's showing various panels from him again. I'm like, boy, I really forgot just how often they relied on violence as the punchline. But the real reason I bring it up is uh, they showed some of the uh, scenes from the TV show. I hesitate to call it a TV show. The one that Alex watched for the Manticore. And uh, boy, howdy. It's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, like, I believe that it happened. I, I don't think you were making it up, but like Jack Thompson is Darth Vader, you're just like, oh no. <laughs> like I was I was watching it and like Alex I'm like oh god they really did have a as that and uh I was like have you seen this and I was just like no Alex watched it for the manicure and she was like "Manicore." I'm like I don't understand so uh and I also said yeah and uh turns out Hillary Clinton is uh the evil emperor and she's like why <laughs> I just tell her I don't rightly know <laughs> so uh yeah it's not very good um But that's not the only movie I watched in a theater. I also watched uh, both Gremlins movies. Now, when I first watched Gremlins, I think Parker, I may have told you this, I didn't really appreciate it. Like, I I thought, oh, that's fine, I guess, but it's not really for me. Now, having seen so many imitators, I can safely say Gremlins 1 is a masterpiece. (laughs) And also, one of the best Christmas movies ever made, without question uh it's this really was a lot of fun uh just the beginning where he's playing like darlene loves uh christmas baby please come home it really sets the mood uh it's very very funny uh there is strangely enough like the one scene i have a criticism for is uh at one point the gremlins are gathering outside of uh that old woman's house and they're they're like caroling or something you're just like they wouldn't know what carolers are, so it doesn't make any sense. But then that's, like, you're thinking too much about it. Uh, my sister had the ideal reaction that I wanted her to have watching this in a theater. Going back and forth between, like, uh, jumping in horror and laughing hysterically. Part of it was at the awkwardness. Uh, Parker, are you still with me? you kind of been quiet.
2: Absolutely. Just making sure. I'm listening. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I do love gremlins a lot.
0: Yeah. Uh, so there's a line in there. Phoebe Kate says, uh, she doesn't like Christmas. And it's before that awkward thing where she's talking about how her father gets stuck in the chimney and died and the corpse was rotting and that's how they discovered his body. So <laughs> My sister watched that and she was going like, why is that in this movie? <laughs> Apparently, yeah, Joe Dante. It was
1: real unsettling when I was a kid, dude.
0: Trust yeah. me. Yeah, so apparently, Joe Dante fought for that scene in the movie. Like, Steven Spielberg wanted uh, him to cut it, but Joe Dante was just like, no, no, no. It kind of represents the entire movie where it's like awkwardly funny and also horrific. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Keep it in there. And it would be parodied later in the sequel, which I'll get to in a second. Uh,. But my sister was... Phoebe Cates are walking home from, like, the bar where she works. And she's like, well, some people are opening up their presents. Other people are opening up their wrists. And my sister said, audibly for everyone in the Alamo Draft House <laughs> to hear her, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the gremlins are more scary more so for, like, pop scares than anything else, as far as I can tell. There's really not a lot of blood or gore in, or anything in this. They send that woman flying. I have it's. This is one of my favorite special effects because that woman gets it, the most fatal yeeting I've ever seen, ever. It is like like you you don't like this, but she's really awful. You know she she probably wants to kill this dog. And like oh, what could be worse than that? She flies fifty yards. Okay, it is astonishing just how far this woman is able to get air. And I guess she died, but, like, you don't really care because, like, she's a bad guy. Uh, I did like that she named her cats after various forms of currency. Her her call, one of her cats, Jorakwa, was actually kind of funny. I actually thought it was kind of a cute romance between the lead actor and the lead actress. I thought that was actually kind of nice. Uh, I don't know if this has a Christmas message besides uh, Buy American, but uh, this really works as a Christmas movie. Uh, And... I'm, I'm surprised. This is probably in my top ten Christmas movies, uh, Parker. If you'd like to talk about it,
2: in Gremlins Two, when they call back to the her dad dying, <laughs> isn't it Lincoln's birthday or something? Yeah,
0: she's <laughs> she dude. You're talking about Lincoln's birthday, and she's just like, my father got a stovepipe hat. And the the guy actually takes her by the shoulder, and it's just like, okay, we actually have to go. It just cuts off the scene. If you look really closely, which I was able to do because like the the theater screen is about as big as a house. You can tell he breaks and he he starts smiling in there because he's laughing too hard at that scene. Uh, also, Dick Smith in the background just looking around like. <laughs> also, it's yeah, incredibly good
2: is. that Dick Smith dies in the first one. And he just shows up in the second <laughs> one like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, they just they're just like, enough. oh,
0: you know, after Deep the battle, accident, whatever. you'd be like, oh, you mean what he got run over? What's <laughs> arrived? Think about all the different gremlins, the brainiac gremlin. Dude, so here's the thing about Gremlins 2. Uh, Alex, have you seen either Gremlins movie?
1: I've seen the first one. I've never seen the
0: second one. Oh my god, I should have invited you. Gremlins 2 really feels to me like a movie that ought to be watched in the theater. uh, Because there's a fourth wall break that... If you're in the theater, they, they changed it for the broadcast TV versions. On the broadcast TV version... Uh, the gremlins go inside the TV and they change the channels to different things, and they have to. And they get John Wayne to uh, to stop the gremlins from messing around with your TV. They obviously had to get a John Wayne impersonator because he was uh, long since dead by 1990. But for the theatrical version, they got Hulk Hogan. Because they go oh, into the man. projection booth and they're messing around with, like, the picture and everything. They're doing shadow puppets. One of the shadow puppets is Abraham Lincoln, by the way. It's a really good Abe Lincoln <laughs> shadow puppet. And they actually show, like, the, the theater manager goes into your theater. And it's like, and they go, excuse me, Mr. Hogan? We have gremlins up in the projection booth. Can you do anything about them? He just gremlins? During my movie? <laughs> He's just looking this guy. He's like, if they want to contend with the Hulkster and the largest arms of the world, then you can just forget about it, brother sorry, folks, Won't we'll happen again. Back to the movie. And you're just like, boy, we are in good hands, aren't we? Uh, and it's Gremlins 2 so stopping good. to have Hulk Hogan in character threaten to fight Gremlins. <laughs> it's so fucking, it's so fucking funny. So I, as much as I had Gremlins, Gremlins 2 is objectively better in basically every single way. The one problem here is you it kind of feels like they really should be watched back-to-back back because of the direct parody of that line about how her father died. Um... Also, this one, she's like, oh, my uncle died because on oh, fucking Lincoln's birthday, and I hate Lincoln's birthday as a result. It's so funny. <laughs> but, like, this one is, like, it's a lot crazier. Like, they got the PG-13 rating, so they were able to go all out. There's a... The movie actually begins with a Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck short, uh... There is a parody of Donald Trump in this called Daniel Clamp. It's not exactly subtle, but it's also very easily the nicest portrayal of Donald Trump that anyone has ever done. He's actually kind of a, a, an alright dude in this. Uh, we gotta talk all the different... Oh yeah, before we talk about the Gremlins, Christopher Lee in this movie is so f- Fucking funny! <laughs> Christopher Lee wants diseases because he's doing all these experiments on them, and every single time he just talks about how much he wants these diseases is so funny. All the all the different um, Gremlins are a lot of fun, but here's the real reason I had such a good time watching this. Now I wanted to take my sister to see this specifically because she needs to see the Hulk Hogan thing on a big screen, right? I forgot about something else. Okay, so bit of a backstory here. My sister really likes Phantom of the Opera. I, I don't get it. Like, I've never actually watched Phantom of the Opera, but hey, she likes it. And she's actually asked me, okay, you take me to see classic movies at the Alamo. If they ever show the Gerard Butler version of Phantom of the Opera, like you, you'd let yeah, me know, buddy. right? Yeah, I know. It's I, Obviously, you'd be there, too. And I was just <laughs> like... And I, I didn't want to tell her, yeah, they usually try to show good movies. But uh, I was like, yeah, I'll let you know. And the likelihood is not very strong that they would ever show the Gerard Butler Phantom of the Opera. But, like, you know, it's a possibility. Anyway... So, set that aside. My sister really likes film theater and always wants to see it on the big screen. She also works at a biotech lab. So, you know, beakers, graduated cylinders, chemicals, COVID 19, all that stuff. Um, there is a scene in this movie where the gremlins break into the science lab and they they find this one beaker that has labeled on it acid. Do not throw in face. And they look at it and they throw it in one of the other gremlins faces which obviously we're all laughing and then that gremlin with his acid bird face puts on the Phantom of the Opera mask my sister was laughing so fucking hard she was almost on the floor and that's about the best Christmas present I've received in a long time just seeing her laugh like that See, the real draw of Gremlins 2 is all these little jokes. It feels like when you're making a movie and they, they're just like, okay, we're going to do stuff like this. And they just felt, okay, we're just going to add extra stuff. That's actually why I think that the, the Gremlins caroling in Gremlins 1 is basically okay. Because they're like, okay, they're outside the old woman's house. What should they be doing? And they look around and all the stuff. Well, caroling, obviously. And they're just like, yeah, let's just do this. And they just felt like doing it. And... The same thing happens constantly with uh, Gremlins too. All these voiceovers for like the 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 building that they're in. Uh, there's a, one point where they walk into the men's room, where one character walks to the men's room, and this overhead speaker says, "Welcome to the men's room." And I'm like, I was laughing so hard. It's like <laughs> and then one guy leaves, like, "Hey, Mister, hope you washed your hands." There's a cow, right? And the cow is, like, leaving the science facility where it has, like, one of those, like, brain glass things. And it's, like, interpreting the cow's thoughts. And it says, I love to give milk. It, it's just, like, a throwaway line that you can barely hear. But it's so funny. Uh, it, stuff like that is constantly happening. And, again, stuff like that says, like, acid, do not throw in face. And whole, all sorts of other stuff. Uh I love this one. I absolutely adore Gremlins too. So if you haven't seen this one, give it a shot, but make sure if you're going to download it from somewhere, get the Hulk Hogan cut, not the John Wayne cut. <laughs> <laughs> the <de-feminized> Hulk Hogan <laughs> cut. <John laughs> <Brimlin. laughs> yeah, it's it's really, really good. I, I was shocked by how much I like this. Uh, I, I still like it so much over time. It still holds up. Uh, one of the really great... And the other thing about it is, like... He, Joe Dante did not want to make Gremlins 2, right? He made Gremlins. He, he Okay, this will be good, you know. I got Steven Spielberg helping me out here. But it ended up being a huge hit. Everyone really liked it. And then they were like, hey, we want to make a sequel. And Joe Dante said, no, I, I'm kind of sick and tired of working on Gremlins. Because it's hard to make with all the puppets and stuff, right? And people forgot about it. Like, seven years passed, and WB is super in need of a hit. So they go to, like, please, Joe, We'll let you do whatever you want on this movie. Just please make another Gremlins. And he said, whatever I want. And they're like, yeah, sure. You're not going to put like Hulk Hogan in it, right? And he's like, too late. And he made the movie exactly how he wanted. And Well,
2: okay, you can make whatever you want, as long as you don't make a super hot lady Gremlins. <laughs> the fuck them
0: in. <laughs> yeah, there better not be any Gremlin cleavage in here, right? You wouldn't do that to us, right, Joseph? It's just like... You know. So anyway... He got exactly—he got to do exactly what he wanted, and as a result, this is easily his best movie. Now, kind of a little bit clear, No offense to Joe Dante, but your best other movies are uh, Looney Tunes back in action, and well, I guess Gremlins one. What, what else besides that? Small Soldiers. Uh, what he did something else that totally was worthless too.
1: Two to. Small Soldiers references in the same podcast.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> did, impressive.
0: Wait, did he also do the original Piranha? I think he did. He sure did. Yeah, that movie sucks. Uh, Definitely a movie that
2: I couldn't tell you anything
0: about. Yeah, it's from the '70s and it looks like it too. Anyway, uh, very happy that he did Gremlins two. He got it exactly the way that he wanted. It is it's such manic energy, but it works so well in that regard. So, uh, and it's another one where you watch it, you're like that's enough gremlins we don't need a gremlins 3 because if there was a gremlins 3 it'd probably suck ass so we're good just with these movies uh i i'm so happy i, I really do like these
2: one of the most pure like this is cinema moments is when you get the flash gremlin with this little trench coat <laughs> it's
0: such a beautiful sight he's in both no, of I'm them by like... the way He's in, but he flashes her in the first movie the bar it took, you know, it took like 20 people to operate this little gremlin going, man showing his little gremlin dick To this poor part <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one of the, the other scenes In that bar uh, he, Where he's first drawing that cartoon of that evil woman Who wants to take his dog He's sitting next to a guy who he calls Mr. Jones That was Chuck Jones The, the, the guy who fucking invented Bugs Bunny is in Gremlins He just says, oh, that's a nice drawing, kid And he walks away eating pretzels uh, They just do that in this movie that That's whole from bar run. owns
2: because like there's all these gremlins like literally hanging from ceiling fans, and she's just frantically trying to pour beers. For <laughs> this is not a room full of monsters, dude. I kind of want to go to I that bar like we'll of more than any. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I haven't been to a, like a real bar in a while. I'm more of a tiki bar guy now because of you know Virginia, but like you know I I kind of want to go to that bar, man. That bar makes me want to drink beer again. Anyway, uh, two more here that are actually in the same line. That was, like, some of the best movies I've seen. I want to lead up to this one, okay? So, I have watched a lot of movies. Uh, we all have watched a lot of movies. and so, noticed. Yeah, so one of the... Th- <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that kind of, kind of gets... Uh, I don't know, I, I'm a little self-conscious about this, is it's getting harder and harder for me to find a movie that cracks the echelon of, like, my favorites list. Like... A movie that's not just like really, really good. Like The Invisible Man, I don't really have any criticism of, but it can't just be that good. It also has to like appeal to me in some way. Something really, really good. So it has that je ne sais quoi, you know? And it's hard and hard for me to find that. I have to, I find myself going back to rewatch uh, movies that I really, really love. For example, I, I just rewatched uh, Rushmore by Wes Anderson. I love that movie. I fucking love Rushmore. And, uh, I was kind of worried. I was just like, have I seen too many movies? Have I just watched all the movies that I'm ever going to love? Will there be a new movie that comes out that I that cracks my favorite list? Like, I guess from this year, Dune and The French Dispatch uh, make it on there, but not particularly high. What am I missing out on? So I found a movie by uh, one of my favorite directors, Satoshi Kon, who did Perfect Blue and Millennium Actress. He did Tokyo Godfathers. And that is one of the best Christmas movies I have ever seen. I can't believe I'm saying this. I think Tokyo Godfathers might be better than Millennium Actress and Perfect Blue. It's... Okay, so here's the story. There are these three... I wouldn't call them men. uh, People in Japan. They're all homeless. One of them is actually a fairly young girl. She's maybe like 12 years old. Uh, One of them is a transvestite. uh, And the other is uh, an old man. And... They find a baby uh, on the streets, and they ha- they try to return the baby to its rightful owner. And uh, based on Millennium Actress and uh, Perfect Blue, you'd say there's probably a lot of serious shit that goes down in this, uh, just because that's what happened in those movies. There is, but it's played in such a comedic way. This is very, very grounded in reality. This is all about uh, the comedic situations of very serious uh, occurrences. There is uh, an on-screen shooting of someone that's played in a very funny way. There's a near-suicide that's played in a very funny way. Uh, There are multiple uh, vehicles crashing into buildings that are played in very funny ways. Uh, I was shocked by not just how funny it is, because it's very, very funny, but also how heartfelt it is. Like, beyond like whatever the message of what Christmas means to you or me or anyone else, there is something that goes the extra mile here as far as Pink Christmas, but still really, really effective and emotive. Uh, now, the stuff that Satoshi Kon is known for, his gorgeous animation and character design. And when I say gorgeous, I mean, like, most, I've said this before, especially about Perfect Blue, uh, most animes have really beautiful-looking characters. Like, especially the women, they always look, like, really, really beautiful. You got like, the... The, the hair that goes down to their knees and they got like the gigantic blue eyes and everything. Uh in this the characters either look like normal human beings, like some characters are overweight. When's the last time you saw like an overweight character in an anime who didn't look like a sumo character, right? Uh they either look like that or they look like super exaggerated cartoons and not like the te- the sort of exaggeration that you usually see in anime with like the gigantic head and the tiny body sort of thing. It's like a, like a caricature that you'd see at a carnival. Like the, the characters' faces are really contorting and doing all these different things. And it looks incredible. It looks fantastic. And I can't believe no one's ever told me about this one before. Uh, is there anything else I, I ought to say about Because I, I don't want to give too much away, because there are some twists and turns as it goes on. But uh, this isn't just one of the best uh, anime movies I've ever seen, or one of the best Christmas movies I've ever seen. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen, period. I was not able to find a dub for it, but the sub is also really good, so please, if you write down one movie that I've recommended so far, write down Tokyo Godfathers, absolutely astonishing, I'd call it a perfect movie. Have either of you seen this?
2: No, I've only nope. seen Perfect Blue, but I really want to see Paprika, too. Oh,
0: I'm downloading Paprika right now, because at this point, whatever Satoshi Kon touches, I, or touched, he, he did pass away. I want to see. I don't know why people like Hayao Miyazaki when Satoshi Kon is right there is obviously the superior director.
2: I've heard nothing but great things about Paranoia Agent too. Oh, I gotta watch that's that. That's that's, that's going time. on the list. Yeah. Uh, also, do you think Satoshi Kon is going to fire Urban
0: Meyer before the season's <laughs> over? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so happy that he invented Pokemon. Anyway, uh, no. the next one I watched, last one, I promise. Uh, I. A while ago when Michelle came over, I watched The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou with her, but we weren't really paying attention very well, so I at some point I think I just turned it off, and I was just like, that doesn't count as me watching. I need to revisit this and give it the attention it deserves. And I'm glad I finally did, because Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou is a really good movie, and I'm really happy that I watched it. A lot of people say it's his most interesting visually. Uh, I can see that. It's probably accurate. Uh, I think this is where you really get to see a lot of his, like... The, the way that he he builds the scenes visually, where it's like that stead that's that right on uh, sort of motion, where you're looking directly at the character that you see like a cutaway of the ship and everything that you would see later on in Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, in this one, it's uh, you see the cutaway of the ship, which I would say is more visually interesting. Uh, as far as the characters go, they're a lot more I'd say borderline cartoonish in this one than they were in his previous movie Rushmore, uh, which is. Probably a good thing because it works a little bit better for the characters if uh, everyone is about as ridiculous as a Wes Anderson sort of movie. This is this feels a lot more Wes Anderson-ish than Rushmore, which I, I still think Rushmore is a superior movie. But this one works so well at establishing his style. It uses uh, Henry Selick's uh, animation, that claymation sort of stuff, for the fishes. So you're just like, I'm so happy he would just do that instead of showing a real shark. That's so much more interesting than showing a real shark. Uh, I like that they wear those silly red hats. I like that they all have guns for some reason. Uh, I will say that uh, Steve Zisu is... Uh, this is another one where it's like uh, depiction is not endorsement. Uh, Steve Zisu is a homophobe in this movie and repeatedly says homophobic things. And... You're not agreeing with him. Every single time he says it, you're just like, come on, dude, don't be a jerk, you know? And I think he even gets punched in the face for it. And that's like, actions have consequences. And he's still, like, he's not a bad person. Kind of like in Rushmore, good people can say and do bad things. People are complex. And I like that the movie really illustrates that. And there's one line that really stuck with me. Uh, I think he has uh, Willem Dafoe's son... Uh, with him and he says uh, no 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 actually it's it's uh, before that he's talking to Kate Blanchett and she says uh, in 12 years he'll be 11 and a half years old and he responds that was my favorite age and that says so much about this movie and I, I there are so many other lines in there they're like little cutaway lines that are like kind of serious that might be a little bit funny but if you think about them they really have a lot of deep meaning so I was happy I got to see it uh, Alex have you seen this one
1: I sure have and uh you're someone that's talked a lot on the show before about you know when you first got into movies like in college Mm -hmm. and like you know watched everything on you know like a small laptop screen and stuff oh yeah this is a movie where like i could tell you almost nothing about the plot because i haven't seen it since then Mm -hmm. but i can tell you exactly when i watched this where i watched this and exactly what everything looked like because you're right it's extremely memorable like like I could probably draw that entire fucking boat from memory and I haven't seen this since 2007. Yeah. So like I it's I I, I mean I I love Wes Anderson almost <laughs> as much, if not as much as you do. So, like, I get it. Trust yeah. me, we're on the same page. Here. Yeah,
0: I, I was trying to get through a lot of his movies. Uh, I was trying to revisit Fantastic Mr. Fox. I was like, is that still actually my favorite Wes Anderson? Is there something wrong yes. with me? So, I'm going to be getting onto that one soon. But at some point, I really need to get onto Moonrise Kingdom because I'm still putting that off, and everyone keeps telling me that's one of his best. But then again. One of Wes Anderson's best just means one of his filmography. I I haven't seen a Wes Anderson movie yet that I don't like. I have been warned about the Darjeeling Limited. Um, I've heard heard it's uh, not that good, but I'll probably give it a chance at some point. Um, I've just just heard better things about Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, I'm going to try not to say how much I love uh, Rushmore again. So
1: anyway, uh, basically all of the watching that I did this week was two separate, like, nine hour documentaries that came out this year one of which was the beatles one that you Mm -hmm. know everybody's talked about which uh look if you want smart beatles takes like go listen to somebody else i'm not gonna sit here and you know talk about the history of the beatles and how each little interaction was like so meaningful this way or the other like i grew up with the beatles i appreciate the beatles there's a timelessness to their music that i think is extremely rare and i i don't think it would be a huge stretch to say that they're the most influential music act of the past what 60 years like uh but uh beyond that um chris as somebody that felt as strongly about they shall not grow old as you did um this is very much in the same vein and walking away from this i don't know how i can have any other conclusion than i hope that Peter Jackson's just going to do weird shit like this forever because at this point he's our most important anthropologist, and literally anything he does with any sort of historical bent, like I literally have to see, just as a human that loves understanding other humans.
0: But like, also because you don't want him directing more things like The Hobbit, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah. There
1: are there are fringe benefits to this arrangement. Don't get like, don't get me wrong, but um, uh. Yeah, I would never in a million billion trillion years tell anybody, dude, you got to watch these 9 hours of these fucking dudes in the Beatles just like riffing and shooting the shit in the in the studio because well, we- like you already know whether this is for you or not. Yeah. Like, there's there's no there's no sell job whatsoever that needs to be done here. Well, but, uh,
0: I've heard some, one of my biggest criticisms that I've heard so far is that they don't have Dave Grohl talk about how important Ringo Starr's drumming was. <laughs> 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 that whole tweet thread, was just like, dude, the first time that I heard Love Me Do, I mean, that's rock and roll drumming. You don't have Nirvana unless you have the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people know this, but the Beatles are here to stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really does feel like video games the movie, when it's just like, you know, there is a point in time where the Beatles were the best band in the world. But yeah,
1: there, yeah, there might that. not be a relationship between two artists that is more scrutinized than the Lenny, McCart- the Lenny McCartney, McCartney relationship, just because we've had, so, we've had so much time and, you know, because John Lennon got shot, like, you know, there was never like, uh oh, the Beatles are getting back together for, you know, whatever. like, we never had that arc. It was, like, they were a thing, and then they weren't a thing, and then John Lennon died, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, remember the Beatles? Like, um, so that was kind of cool, because, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, people in our generation probably don't have a ton of takes on, but if I, like, ask anybody in my parents' age, it's like, yeah, who was right in the Beatles? Like, I any, any of them can go for, like, 20 minutes. It's really impressive. I love it. Mm-hmm. But, uh... This is, like, this is a historical document, like, this, if you, if you care about this kind of stuff, you kind of have to. Like, yeah, it's a lot of hours, and not a lot happened, like, but also, like, I don't know what you cut, because, like, there's so many little moments, and, like, you're watching these, these, you know, like, musical geniuses interact with one another after they've had, like, this decade-long history and just, like, the subtext you can glean from things they say to each other, and, like, you know, the way they all react to fucking George Harrison quitting the band for, like, an hour. Like, they're like, fucking Lennon McCartney, you're just like, we'll just get clapped into play as parts, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, like, it's, 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 <laughs> it's really, it's really neat. Like, um, neat is, I think, the, the like, the, the simplest, like, most dumbed-down way I can describe it, because, Ooh. like. Yeah. It's again like if if you're even remotely on the fence, save yourself the time, but there is a lot you can get out of this.
0: Yeah. I'll probably watch it at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to rush to do it, you yeah. know. It's not like it's not like they're going to put out a comeback album and you're going to be out of the loop, you know. Um, My dad, but, dad just um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh I also watched um something else that came out this year that is roughly the same length called, uh, Can't Get You Out of My Head, An Emotional History of the Modern World, which is a six-part BBC series directed by Adam Curtis, and basically, in, like, a similar anthropological vein, it's about, you know, like, what's happening to society and, like, the the history since, like, the 50s of, like, why people have become more individualist and more paranoid, and, um... You know, it explores a lot of things in a lot of countries. Like, this is something that, like, if you just read the synopsis, you'd be like, oh, cool, so somebody made this in a response to Trump, huh? It's like, no, it's not. This is, like, staggeringly apolitical in some of the subject matter it gets into.
0: Is it the least political movie you've seen? Because there's another one out there. It's 1A, 1B, you know? Yeah.
1: But, like, I feel like this is the kind of movie that, I mean calling it a movie it's mini series movie right, yeah, it's clearly yeah. it's clearly meant to be like one long thing and it's it's a, as much of a movie as the last dance is a movie you know what i mean mm-hmm. like um but uh just really interesting and i feel like if you're somebody who is ideological ideologically partisan in any way the parts that deal with what you specifically believe will annoy you and all of the rest you'll go like oh yeah that's true you know because it's so it's so staggeringly, like, pie-in-the-sky neutral on, you know, things like the Black Panthers. Like, it's not... There's no... There's. There, You're know, The point that they're trying to make is about, like, society writ large and, like, why people are, you know, becoming more immersed in conspiracy theory, why people... Uh, like, like, what isolation has done to people, the ways that, like, that kind of stuff has been weaponized against you. Like... There, it's, it's chock full of, like, you know, anecdotes of, like, the way certain relevant, you know, historical figures handled certain situations and, like, the repercussions from that. And it's, again, anthropologically interesting. Like, I, I don't know how much I learned from this as somebody that is, like, fairly knowledgeable, but, like, it's put together in, like, a very, very like concise is the wrong word for a nine hour documentary but like everything is like they don't hang on anything too long it's narrated in the way that you would think like something like planet earth would be narrated or it's like there's stuff happening and here's this nice calm soothingly voiced british man to tell you what's going on and that's kind of it like the imagery is great fantastic soundtrack like they managed to find like I I can't believe on this show of all shows I'm complimenting someone's needle drops, but, like, it's, everything fits. Considering some of the needle
0: drops we've heard, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, this, um, I don't know if it's getting, like, a release in the States or not, but because it hasn't happened yet, all of it's on YouTube. So, um, if this is something that's, like, curious to you, it's broken up into six chunks, they're, like, an hour hour 20 ish Mm -hmm. each like i would give it a shot like it's i don't know it's cool learning about people i can't help myself especially especially since we spent the past two years like with less social contact than like at any other point in human history like it's god bless
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that was the message of the documentary
1: (laughs) I, i think that like in a lot of ways like yes it in the literal sense it does have a message but the message kind of doesn't matter Mm -hmm. i mean not that it like doesn't matter doesn't matter Mm -hmm. but like it's it's important to like be introspective not just with yourself but like with society in general which is something that most of us are really bad at and just getting your your gears turning on that thought process for like an eight-hour window is i i find to be really rewarding but Anyway, Parker, what did you watch?
2: Hey, man, that sounds really rewarding. Uh, you were assigned to be a movie about CGI squirrels stealing nuts. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> fucking remember doing that. Uh, could have right. been anybody. Yeah, but it, but it was you specifically. <laughs> yeah, but it could have been anybody.
0: So it was over the hedge, hedge, right? I remember it. seeing that.
2: Uh, oh. Yeah, I've seen that too. It's fine. <laughs> so, so here's the thing about the nut job and uh, what happens a lot when I get assigned kids movies. <laughs> it was later at night, and I'm like, look, I'm not gonna watch this movie in one sitting, because I want I'm going to actually watch it. I'm not just gonna put it on and not look at the screen, but I'm gonna break this up into chunks. Like I will be gone. Oh there. yeah, yeah. So I put it on. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna try and get about halfway through it, if you finish it in the morning. And about 20 minutes in, and I know because I looked at the time, a CGI squirrel and a CGI rat showed up to a restaurant and they just started dancing the Gangnam Style <laughs> and I turned it right the fuck off. When did this come out? I, it looks like 2005. It looks <laughs> wretched.
0: A, I think the song came out in thirteen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was released in 2013 because I went to Korea the next year and it was uh, pretty big there.
2: The worst part is like, so that was where I shut it off for the night, obviously. And uh, I was busy the next couple days, so I come back a couple days later, which even for movies like this, I I hate splitting them up like that, but I mean, things happen. When I hit play days later and saw I was only 20 minutes in, I almost had a fucking breakdown. (laughs) I assumed I was like at least a good 40-45. So this whole goddamn movie is about these goddamn CGI squirrels voiced by, like, Will Arnett and Brendan Fraser trying to steal fucking nuts. Oh, you watched so Brendan Fraser Will Selfish. Movie? Yeah, I did! And he doesn't want to share his nuts with the rest of the forest. And then fucking Liam Neeson's the big, evil fucking hedgehog who's against everyone. And there's Double Crossing, and there's the mafia involved. And it's just a fucking tight hour 80 of... Wow, I sure hope this squirrel learns his lesson and helps the other squirrels. And the movie ends with the voiceover saying, After all, we're all a little nuts. And then the squirrel winks at the camera and gives you a fucking that's-all,
0: folks, and it turns to black. Sounds like much ado about nothing. You know, Parker, the main thing I want to say <laughs> yeah. here is that it's actually pronounced Gangnam style, not gangnam style. So,
2: oh, 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 I have another question for you. Um... Who sings that song? Sigh. Oh, did you know a CGI version of him comes out? And the entire song plays? The entire <laughs> song plays? The entire <laughs>
0: song plays? In little CGI side dances with all of the animals. Three and a half minutes. This is Holy shit. The entire... This, this could have been a core was not kind yeah, This could have been a minute over eighty four, right? <laughs> You'd like to think that, wouldn't you, boss?
2: Or that song pushed it up to a tight ninety? <laughs> oh my god, so that was a good experience for me, and I really appreciate my friends. So yeah, glad you had a good time, cinema. Yeah. Now. Uh, I'm not a learned man by any means, but I know some Shakespeare. I know Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. But I prefer more modern adaptations, like Little Italy, which <laughs> is just one of Hayden Christensen <laughs> was Romeo. <laughs> and in the warring families were just two Italians who owned
0: pizzerias, and they hated each other. <laughs> Dude, I saw so, this like cover. The guys at
1: Oasis. See,
0: that's the, so that's the thing, dude. It's like, a lot of people are like, whatever happened to Hayden Christensen after the prequels, right? Well, it this.
2: turns <laughs> the warring pizza families for 90 minutes. And then, don't worry, it's all settled when they have a pizza cook-off and they're, they're in love with each other. <laughs> Fucking... I hate you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds my like this movie is better than these are dungeon. not
2: my thing. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> this movie makes me so happy that it's still okay to be racist against Italians. Yeah, guess, well, goddamn, <laughs> it's impossible not to be.
0: Shame their food is so good though. Oh God, it is. Except for now. rigatoni. Can I just talk about like how rigatoni's bullshit? Absolutely. It's like the, the worst shape. You haven't yeah, talked enough tonight. Fuck, yeah, thank you. Rigatoni is, <laughs> Rigatoni is the most bullshit pasta shape. I want to fuck Rigatoni in the ass. Parker, what else did you watch?
2: Well, uh, so I finished watching all the Spider-Man movies, and I'll just save that for when... Because uh, eventually Alex and his friends oh, yeah. will get to yeah, Amazing yeah, Spider-Man yeah. 2, and then yeah. that will be a 45-minute conversation. Yes. Oh, I'm so happy to talk about that again. Now that that is fresh in my brain, I'm just... Mm. Very excited to have that talk. So let me just talk about one final thing. Do you want to know what the last thing I did before my fucking apartment flooded and ruined all of my stuff? You know, I watched Free Guy.
0: <laughs> How has your week been? No, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. You Can think that's refresh, what my it? refresh my memory? Refresh my memory. Alex, did you watch Free Guy as well?
1: No. Why would I do that? Someone. I watched
0: Red Notice. Oh, same thing. So, someone I know talked to me about Free Guy. And I think they saw... Was it Harry? That seems like something Harry would do. No, I don't read this post. I, uh, someone talked about... What the fuck? I'm kidding. Uh, I don't even think they saw it. I think they saw bits and pieces of it. They were just like, dude, this looks lame as shit.
2: Parker! Hey, if you've seen Lego Movie, you've seen this.
0: Wait, If you've seen The uh,
2: Truman Show, you've seen this. Wait, I like both of those movies, though. Yeah, just watch those, then.
0: Oh. So was so I guess the free is, guy was as good as they are.
2: So here's the thing: for <laughs> most of the movie, it's fine. Like it's a two star. Like it's a bunch of other movies I've seen before. Yeah. Whatever. I was hoping this would be shittier, so I could talk more about it. So like I
0: the Japanese, so like, like the Japanese sexual assault skills, zero to ten. What's the uh, Ryan Reynolds quipometer here, zero to ten?
2: I'm so glad you asked, because <laughs> we build to the climax of the film. Uh oh where he must face another NPC this NPC is a giant Giga Chad Ryan Reynolds and that sucks right yeah Yeah, it's Ryan Reynolds against a giant CGI muscle Ryan Reynolds yeah so he has to use all of the powers of the video game to defeat him in which he summons Captain America's shield to block an attack and then he grows a giant Hulk fist to attack him and then when all is lost he pulls out a lightsaber and then the Star Wars music plays, and then it shows a bunch of people around the world watching the stream going, oh my god, it's a lightsaber! And I'm watching this on my laptop, with my headphones in, with crippling fear that somehow (laughs) someone is going to see and hear it. It is the most embarrassing couple of minutes I've ever seen. (laughs) And then after the lightsaber, he summons a Fortnite gun, and I realized... Alex conjured this out of nothing to make it a <laughs> life <laughs> was Yoda in it though? no alright well, I had to make sure who's the most shocking thing in the world is this movie's only an hour 45
0: uh, Parker who plays the bad guy in this movie? Taika Waititi that's how you spell which, RC he is
2: oh you <laughs> set me up for that one, you son of a bitch <laughs> this fucking b-plot in the movie is that these people who designed the game Tyka stole their code and their whole thing is oh we have to prove he stole it so we can sue him and get our money back or whatever and that's the b-plot of the movie with hey what if you were what if you're an npc in this giant vr gta game and it's the least creative possible thing you could do in that world it looks like hot dog shit it is I don't like to judge movies for what they aren't. Like, it, you can watch any movie and go, I wish they did this, I wish they did this. Right, yeah. But, my god, you could do literally anything else than I, just, I don't know, there's some pedestrians and then at the very end he has a lightsaber. Well,
0: yeah, that's like kind of my complaint about The Purge, right? Like, you you have uh, a day where crime is legal and you just go straight to murder. It's not very original. So I guess that's kind of like what we're doing here. So I compare it to The Purge, you compare it to The Truman Show. <laughs>
1: spending all You'll purge see. days sucking my own dick <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: I mean the, the movie is he doesn't realize he's an NPC and that the world around him is fake and then they have to let him know that he's not living in the real world like it's the Truman Show That's the whole fucking movie it's not good Oh. I will say, I'm embarrassed. I laughed once. Uh-oh. And that was when the NPC that was played by Channing Tatum revealed that his name was revenge of Buttons. Buttons. Incredibly <laughs> embarrassed him, I laughed at it. really got me. <laughs> Shit. Oh, really fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, incredibly watch bad. I uh, uh, might have to. That time. was a really good joke
2: went from a two star nothing movie that doesn't exist to like the most embarrassing thing i've ever seen and then all my stuff got ruined i've been in a hotel ever since
0: tis the season to be
2: smelling (laughs) buddy take a you open the door and it fucking hits you it smells like smash brothers (laughs) tournament that's a good thing you got rid of all your items then yeah oh man smash tournaments anime chris watch uh, big week yeah
0: I was gonna say, did like beaver tail camp out in your room or something? <laughs> for freezing my couch. <laughs> you just walk in there, and you're like that one guy where he walks by, like I said, just shoots
2: <laughs> Watching the junk removal people tear apart my old futon, it just made me think of Evan missing the draft. <laughs> That's such good lore for no oh, one
0: else. yeah. Well. Well. Uh, Wow! We'll see in the game of games. Oh, uh, we don't have to. Yeah, right? actually, we don't have to. Oh, I you. have
1: something. I have something big planned, but also I have three weeks of data to plug into it. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, I would have done if I wasn't napping for the podcast. But, yeah. Uh,
0: let's just save it. napping, big old, shitting on Kyler Murray. Yeah. Big old <laughs>
1: game that. of games extravaganza next week where I might have to watch up to four
2: monster movies. Wait, what is my category? Oh god, it's uh, European uh, movies, uh, isn't it? Uh, oh,
0: oh, oh, whoa, no. Siri, how many Monty Python movies are there? <laughs> wow, it does, I believe that is four. Well, if you're gonna watch see, a European I've movie. I've seen
1: at least two of them, so. Oh, uh, I
0: was, I was mean, gonna yeah, say, yeah, hey, yeah. Cockneys versus Zombies is up there, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> European right. movie is so broad.
0: Oh god, are, we, are you watching Eurotrip or Do Bigelow, European Gigolo? <laughs>
1: Two movies I have already seen. Oh, well... yeah, dude.
0: All right, well, how about this for next...
1: I've
2: also seen Deuce Bigelow 2, if you were wondering. Yes, and
0: Deuce Bigelow 3. So, just in case. So, anyway. (laughs) How about uh, (laughs) for next week's episode, we watch Rocky Four? technically a Christmas movie.
2: All right. Sure. That'll be my second ever Rocky movie. All right. I was unironically going to suggest this before I
1: knew that there was going to be a slice of load cut coming out, so...
0: Yeah.
2: And that's the tea, sis.